everybody and welcome to the Growing Upcast, your weekly feel-good podcast where this week we talk about some new shows on Disney Plus and what I did over my weekend. That's right, where you're going to talk about Marvel's What If, as well as the fairly short but wonderful micro-series called Doug Days, which tells us what happened to the characters from Up, as well as my adventures at PAX West. 2021. I know last week I promised more Iceland stories, and believe me, they're coming. We only covered two of the seven days I was in Iceland, so many more tales to come from the land of ice and fire. Um, but, I mean, this past weekend was packed, so that was kind of where my head was at. Uh, so that was the, the primary focus. Couple of uh, background notes, just to get us, like, uh, aware of what the hip happenings are. Number one, today is the last chapter of The Fork, the Witch, and the Worm, the Christopher Paolini book that kind of bridges the gaps between uh, Inheritance, the fourth book of the Inheritance Cycle, and the future fifth book of the Inheritance Cycle, which I'm sure will come out someday. Uh, But that ends today, which means tomorrow, brand new audiobook is going to launch, and in case I haven't said it before, that will be the fifth Twilight book, Midnight Sun, which is a retelling of the original book from Edward's perspective. Because I couldn't help myself. And um, just as a quick heads up, those chapters average to be about an hour apiece. um, Which is why I've actually been recording that book for months now. um, Simply because of the sheer amount of time it takes to get through any of them. Um, That begins tomorrow. And uh, I hope everybody enjoys it because it will probably be, unless something happens, you know, unless there's another one. um, It'll probably be the last foray into... Forks Washington with these characters. So, almost a little bittersweet. I'm definitely going to miss it when it's gone. Um, So, that's where we're at with audiobooks. Um, I am also in the works of... I mean, I don't want to make any promises because I'm really bad at keeping them. Um, But I hope at some day in the not-too-distant future, I'm going to be streaming a bit more often. Um, Not locked behind Patreon, just like in general. Uh, So, check out twitch.tv forward slash goingupcast. Where you can, we'll, we'll play games and stuff. Um, to be perfectly honest, one of the things I'm just waiting on is uh, a set of um, headphones that are not branded by any controversial companies. Because I have a set of Overwatch headphones and I refuse to do that. So I'm just waiting for new headphones basically. And then, um, and then we can get started on that fun, fun stuff. But if you uh, like what I do, whether it's the audiobooks or the podcast or just me as a person, well, feel free to swing over to patreon.com forward slash goingupcast, where you can be a patron and access things like my movie commentary tracks, as well as some exclusive YouTube videos. Uh, I have a new one coming up here pretty soon where I make chicken enchiladas. Um, It's been filmed. I just need to edit it and put some music on there and then upload it. So that is is coming down the pipeline in the not-too-distant future. Um, and yeah, I think, I think that's it. Um, we're actually going to just launch right into the podcast now. It's a bit of a longer one, uh, cause it turns out despite my, my feelings on PAX, apparently I had a lot to say about it. So let's get into it. So I finally got around to watching Marvel's latest Disney plus show. What if? What if a bunch of dumb things happened? And one really bummer one. I watched the first four episodes back to back. 
Um, but I just want to go over the premise just a little bit. It is essentially uh, the backdoor pilot of the multiverse for people who are not as uh, familiar with such a concept. Because after Loki, the MCU has essentially opened this door to the multiverse. And with things like the Spider-Man trailer really going in hard on that. Um, what if, in my view at least, serves to present other other universes, other stories, other, other interpretations of some classic MCU people? that we are fairly familiar with. Uh, one thing I noticed just right off the bat that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of skip ahead. Episode 3, What If the World Lost Its Mightiest Heroes, actually acknowledges and integrates the Incredible Hulk movie more into the MCU with the, the, the resuscitation of Liv Tyler's character and the locations for like the final confrontation of that movie, which is interesting to me. It is technically an MCU movie, but it was made by Universal Studios instead of Disney. So that one's interesting. Anyway, um, first episode, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger instead of Steve was pretty good. Um, most of the original actors returned for their roles. Uh, a few key exceptions are Captain America and Iron Man. Neither Chris Evans nor um, uh, Robert Downey Jr. reprise their roles. With, I'm guessing they're just too expensive, um, would be my guess. But essentially, everybody else is, is here to play. Um, oh, uh, 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 Scarlett Johansson is not in this show either. There's a few key other ones, but by and large... You, you got him like Sebastian Stan and Haley Atwell and Samuel L. Jackson and Benedict Cumberbatch. And in his last performance that was recorded before his passing, Chadwick Boseman um, is in this show. Even Josh Brolin came back to be Thanos. Like, you know, these they, they came back and they did their stuff. But let's talk about the first one. So, yeah, the, the first episode is what if uh, Agent Carter got the super soldier serum instead of Steve? Um... And it plays out fairly similarly to the, the original Captain America line, which I think is, is a really good entry point because it eases us into this, you know? It's a little different, but not too different. Um, like, Peggy and Steve's love story still turns out tragically, uh, even though they, in my view, they spend more time, like, being together in this one because uh, fucking... Uh, Howard builds the like a uh, primitive Iron Man suit for Steve so he can fight alongside Peggy. Um, it's very sweet. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And it's also our introduction to the Watcher, who is gorgeously played by Jeffrey Wright in this Rod Serling from the Twilight Zone style narrator. Um, quick side note, um, Uatu the Watcher is the second character to be brought into the MCU since the purchase of the 20th Century Fox MCU catalog. Um, who was the first one? I know he's the second. I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, I th oh the first one was um, uh, Kang. Kang the Conqueror. He Who Remains was the first one. Um, but yeah, Uatu the Watcher uh, is, is really cool. And um, his... 
like uh, ha- like having him to like be in the background and like the sky and stuff like that is super fucking cute and I love it. Um, and he actually has some really cool moments um, in later episodes that we'll get into. But the first one's great. Really simple change. Didn't alter the, the world a whole heck of a lot. I loved Peggy Carter as Captain Carter. I thought she was awesome. Um, big fan of that. The second episode is definitely a bit more out there. Um, it is what if Yondu and the Ravagers picked up T'Challa as a child and T'Challa grows up to be Star-Lord. Uh, and apparently T'Challa's influence on the universe is so unbelievably positive that he was able to convince Thanos that his plan was dumb just through the power of good conversation and Thanos became a member of the Ravager crew. Like, that's how fucking persuasive T'Challa is, apparently. I love it. Um, yeah, like, everybody's just, like, a super big T'Challa fan, and they go up against, uh, the Collector, um, who apparently has filled the power vacuum since Thanos gave up his ideas of universal genocide. Um, that's a great episode. It's even got fucking Seth Green playing Howard the Duck, and I'm just like, yeah, alright. Um, that one's a lot of fun. I love the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Um, you, the only other really member of the original Guardians of the Galaxy, you see Drax for a little bit, um, and Nebula is there, but no sign, I mean, and then, um, Peter Quill shows up at, like, the very end, because Kurt Russell shows up, and he's like, I'm your dad, Peter, and then, uh, is like, that's a story for another time, and we'll get to it in another episode, probably, maybe, perhaps, what if... That one's pretty... They're all really good. Like, I didn't know what to expect when going into this show. I was like, I mean, it's kind of whatever. As, you know, give it a pass. But no, it's really good. There, It's it's a bunch of really, like, half-hour short stories, basically, um, that are very well written. Uh, the action sequences are really good. The animation's different, um, but not too dissimilar from other Marvel things I've actually seen. It's actually a very similar animation style to, like, some of the other animated, uh, Marvel movies. So, that isn't too surprising. Um, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy the show quite a bit. Um, the next two episodes are significantly darker. And it goes from kinda dark to, holy shit, um, pretty, pretty rapidly. First two episodes are pretty light, all things considered. Third episode, what would happen if the world lost its mightiest heroes? Basically, over the course of this episode, we watch, like, every member of the original Avengers team get offed. Um, like, fucking Tony gets killed, and then Thor gets shot, and, like, everybody dies. And it turns out that the person behind it all is a heartbroken and batshit insane, uh, Hank Pym, who developed, like, the Yellow Jacket suit... And has been using it to kill the Avengers because his daughter Hope died uh, working for S.H.I.E.L.D. It's basically the Nick Fury show. Um, and it just, like, I I really enjoyed it. It's it's Nick Fury's time to shine. And he's trying to solve this mystery. And Black Widow's trying to solve the mystery. And then she goes to, uh, to Liv Tyler's character from The Incredible Hulk for help. And they try and figure it out. And Mark Ruffalo's there being the Hulk instead of that other guy who we don't talk about. Um, yeah, no, that one was, that one was awesome. Especially the end where, like, everybody died and Loki had taken over the planet and Nick Fury is, like, still fighting the good fight and he goes to find, uh, Captain America's, 
like shield buried under the ice and Captain Marvel's there like standing next to him like where's the fight and I'm like oh that's that's cool I love that I want the two of them to team up to fight a fucking world conquered by Loki I think that'd be really neat the last one which is probably my favorite is also the darkest of of them all and it is called what if Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands and it shows that on the way to the the medical conference at the beginning of his movie, um, Rachel McAdams, uh, Christine, decides to come along. Um, and she's she's there, like, being adorable and cute and all that stuff. And they get into the car accident, and she dies instead of his hands getting shredded. And so he goes to the mystic journey to try and, like, get over his grief. And he's now the Sorcerer Supreme. And it's after the defeat of Dormammu and Benedict Wong is like, do you want some tea? And... Doctor Strange is like, no, I want, I want to bring Christine back from the dead, um, and so he goes and he tries, and she dies again, and he tries, and she dies again, and it just loops over and over and over and over again, and he witnesses her death in like a thousand different ways. You know, sometimes she drives the car and they get in an accident. Sometimes they stay home and she gets a heart attack from eating pizza or something. I don't remember. Or she, like, he doesn't. He just fucking ghosts her, and then her apartment explodes in flames. And like, no matter what he does, Christine dies then. Um, and then the ancient one, who is played by Tilda Swinton, shows up and she's like, actually, Christine is also played by Rachel McAdams. Like, I think this one has, like, every returning major voice, um, or major actor from that movie. Anyway, um, uh, ancient one shows up and she's like, uh, or they're like, um, Christine's death is an absolute fixed point. Like, you cannot change this because if this doesn't happen, then you don't stop Dormammu and then the world ends. And Doctor Strange is like, I don't believe that. And so he spends centuries locked in a time loop, absorbing the powers of, like, these demonic beings from the pits of hells across the universe. And he just absorbs them and briefly takes on, like, their appearance as he's conquering their power. And then it's revealed that Tilda Swinton divided Doctor Strange into two timelines actively existing at the same time, basically an evil version absorbing all the demon powers of the universe. And then a good version who has absolutely no idea that any of this is happening. And then they go out and brawl, um, and the good Doctor Strange loses and is absorbed into the evil Doctor Strange. And the evil Doctor Strange executes his plan, becomes this incredibly grotesque, demonic being, saves Christine only for her to begin to fade away because the universe is collapsing in on itself. And then the coolest moment is Strange is trying to keep the universe together using his powers, and the Watcher, like, fucking shows up, and Strange is like, you could save this. You could fix this. Um, and the Watcher's like, even if I could, which I can't, I wouldn't. Or something cool like that. Like, the fact that Strange talks to Owatu, like, right at the end. And then the universe crushes in on itself. And Christine goes, Steven, what have you done? And fades away. And it's just Doctor Strange left alone in this little crystal ball surrounded by infinite nothingness forever. And it's super dark. And I, I, like, sat there and I went, wow, that was, that was intense. Like, that episode is fucking amazing. Um, yeah, that one is, wow, that, that one, that one took the, uh, took the cake. Um, I do believe there are more episodes on the way because they're, they're I mean, looking at the art for this show, I can see, uh, fucking Gamora dressed up like Thanos. I can see what looks like Ultron with a spear and then some zombies. So there are, I believe there are eight episodes in this show. So we're about halfway through right now. Um, 
But yeah, I thought I thought the first four episodes were incredibly strong and got stronger as it went on. I feel like this show will really shine when it takes such liberties and goes in directions that like make no sense. Captain Carter was a minor change, and I feel like that's a really good way to like bring us into it. But then Doctor Strange destroying the universe because he's trying to save Christine, which is interesting because Christine doesn't die in like the you know like that's. Like, the what if is if Christine dies, you know? That's that's the what if. And I'm just like, that's, it, you know, it's... It, the show will tell you a couple of times. It's like one choice, one decision, one point, And then the whole thing can spiral into who knows what. Because that's the point of the multiverse. That's how it works. Some days you can wake up and you want eggs for breakfast. And maybe on another universe you made French toast. And those are two completely different universes now because of that decision. Who knows? Anyway, I would recommend it. It's over there on Disney Plus. Give it a check out. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Oh god. Ugh, Doug Days. A new short series of animated shorts. Shut up. About Doug the Dog from Up and Carl and even in one episode Russell and on the heels of Ed Asner's sudden passing at the ripe old age of 91 it is uh, a very timely sweet little series of shorts just about Doug being a dog and having fun with Carl and it made me cry twice so it's it's good it's really good I don't even really want to talk about, like, the individual episodes because, I mean, that's just part of the fun. But the the animation's in very good. The performances are, are on point. Uh, it feels very much in character with what the characters from Up would go on to do. And it services as a nice little epilogue for uh, for their adventures. Um, there, are, there are five episodes. I have no idea if there are going to be, like... If they've recorded like 10 and they're just like slowly releasing them, I'm not sure. Um, but there's five really good episodes. And I mean, there's probably, I mean, unless they recast Carl, there's not going to be any more of these. They're just, they're cute and they're perfect. And it's a really, really sweet thing to have as like what Ed Asner's like last bit of like acting ever was. So it's, it's awesome. And I would highly recommend it. And that's all I'm going to say on it. Just go watch Doug Days and bring tissues. Let's move on to the next thing in the podcast. Well, hello, everybody. Let us talk about PAX Prime, PAX West, Camp PAX, the Penny Arcade Expo gaming convention held almost annually in Seattle, if it wasn't for certain uh, pandemics of a world-ending variety. That's right! Despite the rise of numbers and the fear that the world currently is experiencing, I braved the non-insignificant crowds to go to Camp PAX, and I am here to report that it was all sorts of okay. Uh, It was a a much smaller convention than it has been in past years, and I would know I have gone to PAX over ten times. I do not believe that is an exaggeration. I have gone essentially every year, more or less, since high school. They have all blurred together for me. 
Um, but I absolutely love PAX. I love the games. I love the people. I love the merchandise. I love the atmosphere. I absolutely adore PAX. Um, and this time around, the number of studios was very small. Um, it was primarily indie studios. There was no like indie mega booth because all of the indie studios were just out in the main expo hall. The PC free play area, the PAX arena area, and the merch floor were all in the same area on the fourth floor mixed in with the expo hall. They did not even take up the entire expo hall. That is, that's how small we're talking. It's about a third the size it has been in past years. Um, but outside of that, it was, it was perfectly lovely. Definitely not like a four day convention. You know, you could show up uh, like one day, see everything there is to see, probably even have time for a panel or two and your, your day would be done. And, and you would have been like, yep, I, uh, I did packs. Um, and that's kind of more or less what we did. Um, this is not the last time I'm going to talk about packs in, in this podcast because tomorrow, uh, at the time of recording this, I'm doing an escape room at PAX. Uh, so I'm going to talk about that a little bit as well. But I did want to talk about some of the crap I acquired um, at PAX. Because while it was a smaller convention, it is not a smaller convention in terms of things I can waste my money on. So now we're going to talk about, about that. The crinkling you're hearing is uh, they, they didn't have bags big enough for one of the things I bought. So this is actually a baguette bag for like bread. Eh. Let me get the item out of there. Okay, this bag is now empty, so I can just trash that. Okay. So out of the baguette bag, we got a couple of things here. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna do my best to talk about like what the item is and where I got it so everybody gets their like Five seconds of, of moderate fame. So the first thing is called Blacksmith Bay. It's a pin that I got for joining their Discord. And Blacksmith Bay is an upcoming game about being a blacksmith. Uh, going out and harvesting the materials to to make the stuff. Um, to be a blacksmith as well as like defending a town from like roving invaders. It's a very small pin, but it's a pretty neat pin. So I got one of those. Uh, I'm just going to toss everything on my bed behind me. We also have a pair of child's play socks. Uh, they're green with images of controllers and like handheld consoles and coins and hearts and stuff like that. And if you're not aware, uh, child's play is a phenomenal um, uh, charity that works uh, in getting um, special uh, gear and equipment for uh, children uh, with like special needs. Um, so they can, they can, no way, huh? That's, that might be special effect, um, that I'm thinking of, which is another great organization, but let me, give me a second. I'm trying to get this thing. There we go. Okay. Uh, let me look it up real quick. Um, because I don't want to misrepresent, uh, a charity. So child's play, no, not the fucking movie charity. There we go. Um, improves the lives of children through the power of play, uh, is what it says. Um, since 2003, we've set up an organized child's play game industry charity dedicated to improving the lives of children with toys and games in our network of over 185 hospitals worldwide. So it is an organization that helps get games to, uh, children who are going through, uh, a hard time 
medically, which is a good time, um, or a good charity to support, rather. Not, not that children are going through. Wow, I'm stumbling all over my words. Anyway, support child's play and special effect. Both excellent charities. Uh, the third thing to come out of the uh, baguette bag is I got a, a big old play mat. It's like it's like three feet by a foot and a half. Um, I got this primarily to roll dice on in D&D um, so they're not clocking against the table. And it's covered in like... It's it's this art... It's from um, Gamer Mats. Uh, and I'm sure if you look at their stuff online, you'll find this art. It's uh, five like woodland critters all dressed up as like D&D people. So there's like a bard and there's a barbarian and there's a ranger and a mage and a sorcerer based on uh, what this is looking like, but they're all adorable. And the squirrel in particular of this art uh, reminds me of an NPC that I have named Tufty McStuffins. Um, and he is just a cute little badass. Uh, and that's primarily why I got it because I'm like, that squirrel is, that squirrel is Tufty McStuffins. 110%. That squirrel is a, is all about Zetufti McStuffins. Um, but yeah, I got a new playmat. Okay. Now we go into the backpack of mysteries. And I call it that because I don't actually remember all the crap I got. So, up first is a black plastic bag that uh, has a, a box that seems to have gotten destroyed when my backpack fell off the, the, uh, the table in my other room, which is fine because as long as the item inside works. Uh, so this is, I don't remember the name of the booth, that I got this at, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, but this is called the the Magical Draft of Happenstance from Prismatic Potions and Preparations. Um, okay, so according to this, it says, Drinkers beware, the contents of this vial, man, uh, contents of this vial, many charm, I think it's supposed to say may charm, but it says many charm, oh god. Um, okay. May charm, disarm, control, misuse, abuse, cause spontaneous fiery outbursts, heal, protect, kill, or any other number of things. The makers of this bewitched brew are now responsible for the actual outcome of the drinker you have been warned. I think it is a magic eight ball in potion form, but we're about to find out. Wow, this whole box just completely fell apart. That's fine. I'm going to stick that over there. This is all trash. Okay. It also comes with some cards. Um. Oh, it comes with some... Oh, I see what's going... Okay, so hold on. Shaking the potion. Look at the bottom. Oh. Oh, that's awesome! Okay, so it, it's not a uh, it's not a Magic 8 Ball. Well, it is a Magic 8 Ball in terms of design. But within, it has a D20 that instead of it saying, like, asking in later, it, it is 20 different potion possibilities. So this is, says Potion of Magic Bane. And then it comes with a series of cards that tells me what the Potion of Magic Bane is. Uh, which is... Where is it? Oh, there, there's stuff on the back. Potion, uh, potion of Magic Bane. There it is. The drinker loses their highest level spell slot for the day. Ooh. Ooh. This is great. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So that's what that does. That's super cool. I love that. That's excellent. Oh, I'm so... Oh, that's a good one. Hot damn. Okay, so I'm really glad I got that. The other thing I bought from this stall, whose name I don't remember, is, um... Do y'all remember... Oh, God. Do you remember uh, when y'all were kids and you would play a board game and it would have, like, a fucking uh, 
dice popper in the middle of the uh, the the board game. That is what this is. Except it is um, customizable in that I can I can open it and insert a D20 or any dice into the popper and it will... It didn't snap back up. Hold on. Okay. So it can't be too tight. There we go. Yes. And it's got this really great little design of like runes and uh, uh, symbols and stuff like that on this 3D printed base. It is very cool. So I have, a, I have a custom dice popper for... God, that's a horrific sound, isn't it? Anyway, custom dice popper. Did I need it? Hell no. Did I want it? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Um, do, 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 do. Okay. Stick all this side over here. I'm actually going to use this trash bag as a trash bag. Got all this crap in there. Ugh. Alright, hold on a sec. Okay. Trash bag off to the side. What else we got? Oh, this is this is a wonderful thing. Okay, so there was a a uh, nonprofit organization organization called Guardians MH, which according to the people running it, uh, was a group of um, uh, Destiny players uh, who got together and made this this new nonprofit um, where they are all about uh, mental health awareness and um, suicide prevention uh, in for for gamers. Uh, and after signing up for their newsletter, they provided a mental health kit, um, which is a it's this a a bundle of things um, to help people who are going through a bit of a hard time. What I really love about these this organization um, is that they provided a a QR code for a Twitch bot that they had made that will link to uh, things like. Um, like phone numbers to call if you're going through a really hard time and just uh, resources and stuff like that, which I think is a phenomenal thing. So I will definitely have that on my my Twitch moving forward. Uh, the kit itself, the mental health kit, comes with a journal um, because writing things down when you're going through a hard time is absolutely something I would recommend. Um, it's a good-sized journal, too. Uh, it's got a lot of pages in there, so that is a phenomenal thing to give out for free. Uh, it came with... Well, it looks like a sticker of some persuasion. It feels like a sticker of this of a waterfall. So that's pretty cool. Um, oh, they're call. Oh, it's a calm strip. I'm sorry. It is not a sticker. It's a calm strip. Calm strips are a cool and convenient way to reduce fidgeting, increase focus, and regulate restless energy. So I peel it and stick it to something, and then I and then I touch it, and it's just like a textured. Um, they might look like any other sticker, but Calm Strips are actually first of their kind textured sensory adhesives. Rub for a soothing sensation, and it does feel good to rub. Um, ideal for grounding and focus. Scratch or pick for a rougher feel, perfect for fidgeting or restlessness. That is amazing. So I've got a Calm Strip. There may be there may be more than one. It's a good piece of art, too. I might actually stick that on the back of my phone. That's just a good thing to have. Um, it has a, a couple of business cards in here, um, including Hope and Help is just a text away. Um, so the Center Center for Suicide Awareness text Hopeline to 741741. So if anybody out there listening to this podcast is having a hard time and you need to talk to somebody, text Hopeline, H-O-P-E-L-I-N-E, to 741741. 
What else we got here? Uh, another business card for something called Six Wing Studios. It's called Amaru, the self-care virtual pet. Uh, it's a mental health app. Uh, it's from Six Wing Studios and Amaru, the self-care virtual pet. Visit www.sixwingstudios.com to get access to that. I'm going to download that here in a second because that sounds amazing. Um, yep. And let's see what else we got. We have a... Uh, your mental health kit was prepared by, and it gives me a little thing, and it says, uh, it's got a signature on there for who made my mental health kit. We got some more stuff in here. Uh, oh my god, fantastic. Okay. Uh, it comes with a little letter, uh, welcoming to the mental health kit, uh, which is awesome. Uh, let's see. Uh, it comes with some, uh, how would I describe this? Literature, essentially? On you know who to contact and some some guidance there's a grounding exercise uh to help recenter yourself there's a, a sheet here called a safety plan that you can fill out and it, on the back side it actually has the exact same thing again in spanish which is fantastic um there's a little bit of an exercise routine uh to get your blood flowing and get you mentally ready for the day and it comes with a mindfulness coloring book for gamers oh my god I haven't had a coloring book in forever. I'm actually going to do this. I'm actually going to color this in. That is that is phenomenal. That's a tough one. That's a hell of a thing to color. Okay. Um, but it comes with a little coloring book. Um, God, that's incredible. Do, 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 do. What else is in here? This bag is fantastic. Uh, it comes with crayons for the coloring book. Sweet. Uh, it comes with a pen that is like one of those recyclable pens where it's like made out of cardboard, which is, has a really nice feel to it. A little tub of name brand play-doh god i haven't i haven't seen or touched or smelt play-doh in years according to the guy it's just nice to have something to squish and apparently the scent is very calming oh my god yep that's play-doh i used to eat the hell out of this crap when i was a kid um and it's like purple and sparkly that's that is excellent and finally they provided the like one of my all-time favorite fidget toys um it's like one of those clickety clackety snakes where like you can bend it at like 90 degrees it's like one of these things um i absolutely adored this crap um and i i find it to be very useful for for fidgeting and and, and putzing around so that is a, a wonderful fidget tool so i'm going to snap this together to make a bracelet out of it snap together snap there we go all right so yeah Ah, uh, that's a great fidget tool. Wow. That is an unreal amount of goodies. I mean, they're not goodies. They're designed to, like... Like, it's all about self-care and mental health and, and being centered and all that stuff. But, I mean, this is... To give this, this sort of thing away for free is incredible. Because I legitimately am going to use everything in here... Um, and I also think it is a, like, it's all super useful guardians MH. I want to, I want to give them another shout out. Um, and they will, their Twitch bot will be on my Twitch, uh, moving forward. So if you ever watch me stream, then you'll, you'll see me on there to flip, uh, completely over to another side of the fence. We've got uh, drinks with frenemies, which is essentially cards against humanity with, um, booze. So, yeah, I, I, I got a couple of decks of drinks with frenemies here. I have the, uh, what you would call it, the original edition, the explicit edition, 
And an extra, uh, I believe this is the not safe for work edition. Yeah. So these are, these are all, it's just like, it's just like Cards Against Humanity. Lots of different decks. Um, three player, uh, three players up, 110 cards. I think we got like 500 cards here. So it's, it's just a fun, uh, fun card game that you can play with, with your buddies. I got another business card here and a, a raffle ticket, which since I'm not there, doesn't particularly matter if I win or not. I'm going to move my mental health kit aside here for a second. Cause that is, that is excellent. I'm a firm believer that even if you, even if you feel like you're fine, it's, it never hurts to, to, to ask for help. Um, or to, uh, just take some time to like center yourself, you know, God, the world is so fucking busy right now that I'm, I'm definitely in that boat. Um, this is actually a gift for somebody else, so I'm not even going to talk about it, but I'm going to set that aside to go in my little present cabinet here in a little bit. Uh, we got a t-shirt here. This is a Dark Souls shirt, and I got a pin for, uh, Ori in the Blind Forest. It's just a little pin of Ori, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, I don't actually have a place to display pins, so this may also end up being a gift. Uh, I haven't decided yet, but it's a cool looking pin. I do love Ori. Like, Ori as a character I thought was just fantastic, so I'm going to set that aside for me right now. Uh, I'm going to open this Dark Souls shirt because this one is for me, and it needs to uh, go through the laundry before I wear it. Throw that out, just so I can remind myself what this shirt actually looks like. Uh, it is uh, linking... It's like it's a giant bonfire with... Um, I would have said the Dark Souls... Two character, but I think it's, I think it's just the original Dark Souls character to be perfectly honest with you. It's a good shirt. It's nice and soft. Just needs to go through the wash. What else we have in my box of mysteries? We have uh, another pin. This is Persona Five. It is the uh, LeBlanc um, Cafe uh, pin, which I thought was pretty cool. I also have a lanyard for this year's packs, which is just kind of silver and gray, and it just has packs on it. Nothing too unbelievable there uh we have another t-shirt here this is from t-turtle who i absolutely adore i have a lot of t-turtle shirts this one's called dragon master like dungeon master but dragons and it's got this big old big old dragon sitting behind a, a dm screen and the dragon's got like antlers and stuff and it's really good art and i like it a lot that also needs to go through the laundry reaching to my bag of mysteries here we have a box which I believe uh, holds my uh, PAX mug, which is a tin camping mug. It says Camp PAX Seattle 2021 on it. It's got some like rainbow and a compass, some stickers on there. And it comes with a lid, which is awesome. I didn't know it came with a lid, um, along with a bunch of crap on the inside. This world is full of color, is what it says on the inside. Um, oh, you just... Um, Oh, so apparently the different colors on the mug represent different things. Uh, groundedness of the Pacific Northwest, fascination of the natural world, dedication to Honduras, energy of India, our pale blue dot, and the might of Rwanda is what the colors of this mug represent. That's pretty cool. Uh, it also comes with a sticker for Mir, M-M, or M-I-I-R. Mir is the company that made the mug. So that's pretty nifty. Uh, I imagine it has, like, some cleaning instructions. Uh, 
Do, 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 do. Yeah, it's a 12 ounce camping camping mug. Like vet, it's like insulated, stainless steel. Um, it doesn't sweat. Powder finish coat, lifetime warranty. How do I clean it though? Is the dishwasher safe? Um, or is it hand only? That's always the thing with mugs. Um, because the last thing I want is for like this cool design to like vanish because I stuck it in the dishwasher. Um, lifetime warranty. Yeah, but how do I clean it? Is it gonna tell me? Oh well, I'll find out later um, how to how to clean this thing properly because nobody is finding this interesting right now. Um, wash before use, hand wash recommended. Uh, lids, top uh, rack of the dishwasher safe. Okay, so I can dishwash the lid, but I want to hand wash the cup itself. That's fine. That works for me. Uh, the lid itself is uh, like plastic. Um, comes with a little slidey tab to keep the liquids in, and it snugly vacuums to the the mug itself. Very very cool. Um, oh, it probably also says on the bottom here, made responsibly in China, hand wash recommended. Yeah, which which probably means just hand wash the damn thing. So I'm okay with that. Weep. Actually, I'm gonna hang on to that, and I'm gonna hang on to that, and this is now trash. Okay, what else is in my bag of mysteries? We're gonna keep going. Um, oh, so the, the, uh, the potion and the, the, uh, popper are actually from Noble Dwarf Printing. Elevate your game, uh, full color custom printing, 3D print maps, uh, t-shirts, gallery canvas, custom spell books. The only reason I know is because the business card they gave me is a piece of canvas, like it's flexible and has, um, has their info on the back of it. So I thought that was, that was very cool to... Very cool business card. I didn't know you could do that. Uh, I got a map at the convention center. Not gonna do anything with that. I've got my uh, vaccine card, which needs to go over here now. Um, along with, what is this? This is, oh, it's my receipt for getting a flat tire fixed in, a, in Iceland. We're actually gonna talk about that um, probably pretty soon, if not this episode of the podcast, the next one. Wow, I've been talking for a while, I'm sorry. Um, I got a, a sticker for the treasures of the Monte Cristo Island. It's a moon sticker, which I thought was pretty cool. It's a new board game, uh, made by, uh, good nerd, bad nerd games, treasure Monte Cristo Island to check it out. If you're a big board game fan, eh. um, I got a, I got an inflatable. I'm just now realizing I got a balloon, but it comes in a Ziploc bag, which kind of has me concerned. Um, but I have a I have a D20 balloon. I might just I might I might wash the hell out of that. The fact that it comes in a resealable Ziploc bag and it's a balloon does not excite me all too much. Uh, I will be perfectly honest with you. Um, I got another T-shirt here. This is a I think it's a Stardew Valley shirt. Um, I got it mostly because it's green and I don't have yeah it's a Stardew Valley shirt. Um, it says uh, Stardew Valley. Uh, Pelican Town, and it's got this, it's got a picture of the community center on it. It's just a really nice green shirt with, like, strong, uh, collar and, uh, arm bands of a different shade, which I thought was pretty neat. Uh, here's another pin. I'm not gonna tell you what it is, because it is yet another gift. Uh, let's see what else is in here. Um, I got a dice set here. This is, uh, wooden dice. Uh, wow, these are a lot lighter than I thought. Um, which is pretty cool. I also have a D100 here. 
Uh, not the two individual dice, just the physical D100. Uh, give me a second. Let's see what this bad boy rolls. God, this thing's heavy. Alright, D100, go. Uh, 12. 12 is what that rolled. Um, it's like, got a bunch of hexagonal numbers on it. Um, so it like balances on, on those. God, this thing is cool. 73. Yeah, this thing is... You could also huck this at somebody's head and knock him unconscious. This thing is a is a hefty fucking dice. Um, I'm not entirely sure if I'm going to keep the wooden dice or if I'm going to give those as gifts too. Uh, they're very cool though. Uh, I'm going to leave them bagged for right now because I might re-gift that. Um, that's that's how I, I explain away like purchasing a bunch of crap that I absolutely don't need as I give them away as gifts. Um, and then I have a set of D20 here made from... Uh, uh, I can't remember what metal they are, but they're tiny. They're really, really small, adorable dice, uh, which is pretty fine. Might keep these as well, but again, I'm not sure. So sometimes I just buy things because um, I think they're cool, and then I reassess it later and I go, "Do I really want this?" And if the answer is no, I'll I'll give it away to somebody um, as a as a gift because that's kind of how I how I operate. Okay, uh, that's a sweater I wore earlier, so. There's that. Um, we're on to uh, probably the final pocket of crap I bought. It was a book I got. Harold the Halfling's Herbology Handbook, an insider's guide to fantastic flora. It is a, a, a essentially exactly what it sounds like. Um, it is a list of plants, from trees to flowers to mushrooms, all sorts of stuff, um, that you can use in, in RP games, um, RPG games, where it's like, here's the name of it, uh, here's what it can be used for, this is what it tastes like. This is the effects it can have. All this fun stuff. And I thought this was really great for, for world building. Um, it also comes with a dungeon adventure, which I, I think is pretty neat. Um, a couple of potions and the ingredients to make them. It's it's a great little a great little guide. Um, I might actually hand this out to like my players and be like, you know, what potions do you want to make? Well, here is the guide and the list of ingredients you need to acquire it. Just write that down and we'll, we'll make an adventure out of it. Uh, I think this is the last item. Let me just check. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is the last item. Okay. So finally, uh, in this segment of the podcast, we want to talk about D and T. T-E-A. Um, as in the beverage you drink. A company that... Um, so according to the little thing in here, our first priority is your enjoyment. Please, if you have any problems at all, feel free to contact us, blah, 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 blah. But it is D&D it is D. Um, I have three types here. We have Tavern Brawl, Palace Elixir, and Elven Bazaar. Um, and Tavern Brawl, if you drink it, you may grapple two creatures at once. Elven Bazaar gives you plus one to sleight of hand. And the Palace Elixir reduces your exhaustion level. The Palace Elixir is uh, green tea, white tea, jasmine pearls, cornflower, blueberries, hibiscus, lime juice, sea salt, and uh, blends of extracts and essential oils. Um, that's a hell of a tea. The Tavern Brawl, which I'm really excited about, is black tea, cocoa beans, roasted and unroasted coconut, organic honey bush, um, a blend of extracts and essential oils, apple, chocolate flakes, sea salt, citric acid, cocoa powder, and vanilla. God damn. And the Elven Bazaar is black tea, candied ginger, cardamom, cloves, um, more extracts and essential oils, pepper, star anise, vanilla, sea salt, and citric acid. Wow. 
So I'm, I'm excited to, to rip into all of these. And the box itself actually has a one inch grid on the inside. Um, so it can be used for, uh, for, for games. It can be used as a battle map, which is super fucking cool. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to get into these. But yeah, I've got a box of DNT there. And that, based on me rooting around in my bag here, and then there's the Pax Patch. That is, I do believe, everything. Let me just double check. Um, oh, no. Sorry, I lied. We've got some more stuff. Let me, uh, let me take all this out of here. Um, that can all stay. Okay. Uh, don't, I've already spoken about that. Um, I got a postcard here for OrcaCon, which is an inclusive tabletop gaming convention held in Bellevue. Um, all about, uh being a safe and welcoming environment for all sorts of peoples. Um, I also bought a uh, uh, another sort of fidget toy. It's essentially silicon bubble wrap that you can like poke all the bubbles through. Um, and then when you've poked all the bubbles through, you flip it over and then you can poke all the buttons again. So that's, that's what I've got here. Actually, I thought it was an ice tray when I first saw it. I thought it was a... Um, uh, like a silicon ice tray, which I'm sure you could use it as like weird little half spheres of ice if you really wanted to. Um, but it's primarily a fidget toy, which is kind of fun. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, I wanted them all popped. Um, but yeah, I got one of those, which is pretty cool. And I got some stakers. Um, the stickers are from the, uh, I want to get this right as well. Do I actually have a business card for these guys? No, I don't. Crap. Um, oh, well. Uh, oh, there's the bot. So I need that for, for Twitch stuff later. But I got some stickers and it says, listen to music and it's a turtle with double headphones, meditation otter, and then a board game dog. And the dog is adorable. Um, hell yes. That was day one of PAX. I know I started this off being like, eh, it was okay. But I, I mean, I got a lot of stuff. And I'm, I'm really happy about a lot of these things. And it's, most of them I'm going to give away as gifts. But by and large, I'm, I'm just really thrilled with it. So that will do this bit of the podcast. I can't believe I talked about that for so long. I'm so sorry. Uh, but up next, we're going to talk about how the escape room went. going to talk about True Dungeon. I know I'm, I said I was going to talk about Iceland in this episode. We'll just have to save my Iceland stories for another time um, because PAX took the took the priority for me in terms of this this week's stuff. Anyway, True Dungeon. Um, it is a how do I even want to describe it? Live action Dungeons and Dragons for lack of a better term. Um, I saw this was a thing coming to PAX this year and thankfully my, my premonition abilities were very fortuitous because this year's PAX was fairly lackluster. And the way I've been describing it to people was, if this was my first convention at PAX, I would never go again. Because it there was like, there was nothing to do. It's basically if the indie mega booth exploded and took over the entire convention and everything else that was normally supposed to be at PAX just wasn't there. But that's, I'm, I've, I've harped on about that. I did buy a couple of other things on the expo floor. I got like a sweater. Um, and, uh, the rest of the decks for drinks with frenemies. Um, but that's about it. Anyway, we're talking about Tree Dungeon. 
So live action D&D, essentially. It was marketed as a seven room escape room. And it is an escape room in as much as there are rooms and there are puzzles. That's about it. I could technically leave anytime I wanted. Like I wasn't locked in a room, which I suppose is the case for an escape room. But, you know, there is there is a little bit of like, you are like you could you can't open the door without like asking special permission to get out, you know. So there's that little bit of like we gotta figure it out. Um, I say live action D and D because even if you don't succeed in the puzzle or whatever the challenge was of the room, you still advance to the next room. It was actually more like a mini golf course than it was an escape room. Because you step up to your hole, you you do the, the game, and then you move on to the next one. But in some cases, you can't move on into the next room because there's a, a team in front of you uh, taking their time with the next hole. But in this case, each room, you only had 12 minutes to do the room. Pass, fail, whatever. You only had 12 minutes. So you show up, and there's a waiver that you have to sign. And I'm just going to read you a passage from this waiver so you can have a similar headspace to what I had when I saw what this was going to be about. All right. Let's see here. What is the most... Okay. So listen to this sentence and tell me if this is exciting. The TD, which stands for Total Engine, event is a live-action role-playing experience that is an inherently dangerous activity and begins when you enter the TD event area at PAX West 2021. In the area, you will be able to do numerous activities, including, but not limited to, a simulation of a fantasy adventure which involves, among other things, interactions with scenery and other man-made objects, sound and electrical systems, periods of prolonged low light or darkness, special effects, potentially terrifying props, cast members or other participants in the TD event interacting with you, your actions and interactions with participants or cast members, smoke, fog, startling events, flashing lights, uh, including strobe light, and other hazardous activities, imperfect conditions existing at the property where the TD event is being held in other conditions, and blah, 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 blah. There's a section on risks, which said, um, risks related to your participation include, but are not limited to, conditions and activities set forth in section one, the potential for serious bodily injury, sickness and disease, permanent disability, paralysis and loss of life, loss or uh, loss of or damage to equipment and property, exposure to extreme conditions and circumstances, accidents, contact, collision, goes on and on and on and on and on. And as I'm reading this form and signing it, because they wouldn't let me do it if I didn't do that, I'm sitting here being like, holy shit, I'm about to buckle up for like some fucking incredible shit. Because, like, the, the warning levels are astronomical. And I feel like um, in a more permanent setting, like, if the to- if the True Dungeons people had, like, a warehouse that they could build and populate with their own stuff, a lot of these things would probably come to fruition. Um, in this sort of travel style, it was still impressive, but not nearly on the scale that the warning labels in the form you had to sign ahead of time would lead you to believe. In any case, we signed the form, and then we got this sack of tokens. And in the token sack was, I think, like, eight discs um, that also double as, like, money. Like, gold pieces and platinum pieces and stuff like that. And on each disc was an item. 
It could be like a hat. It could be a weapon. It could be a spell. It could be a trinket. Um, and you had this sheet in front of you that was eventually, essentially like all these equipment slots for a character. And so with your tokens and any leftover tokens you had, you could like trade with the other people in the event. There were eight of us. Uh, so me and my two friends and then uh, five strangers. Um, and so we were trading tokens back and forth, trying to kit our characters out with like really good shit, you know, because that's how you do. You min-max. Um, you also pick a, a character class. It was the standard uh, array, you know, all the D&D classes, Druid, Rogue, Ranger, Warlock, Bard, all that crap. Um, I went with Druid um, because I'm very familiar with that class. And given my current love affair with Guild Wars 2, in which I'm trying to become a Druid, um, I'm, I'm a level like 81 ranger right now, but I'm, I'm getting the skills unlocked to be a druid, but it's just, it's taken a minute. Um, and I'm kidding my character out and, and we're interacting with the other people. Didn't learn anybody's names. And originally it was oversight. And then after, and then during and afterwards it was on purpose because I actually preferred that I didn't know anybody's names because now it's truly like I did this adventure with these people who are these people i have no idea and i will never know who these people were and it's like let us be as ships passing in the night you know it's just like we interacted we had this experience and then we will all go our separate ways and just never talk to each other ever again um and so we're doing that and up until this point there's been like no hey this is what's going on there's been very little instruction. We're very confused. We don't know what we've signed up for. We don't know what's about to happen. Eventually, somebody shows up, and he has this, like, uh, sheet, basically, where he's, like, writing down our items and our AC and uh, hit points and spells and stuff like that. And um, that sheet was then handed to the actors, the performers, either a an NPC or a, a, a game master, essentially who would uh, roll, roll like combat and keep track of hit points and stuff like that for us in each room. And that sheet would tell him like what our AC was and what our pluses to hit were and all that crap. Um, but yeah, we, we make our characters. Uh, we, we get our tokens of our items. I ended up having like a wand and a cup that turned any water into beer, um, which naturally was like, all right, it looks like my character's drunk. Um, and I RP'd that the entire time, and it was a blast. The first room, um, I don't, I don't remember if on the form, I couldn't take any pictures. We weren't allowed to have electronics. I'm pretty sure I can talk about my adventure. Um, but since I'm such a gifted storyteller, my my descriptions of these rooms is probably going to be pretty bang on. Um, so get ready for some vivid wordplay. Anyway, um, I want everybody to close your eyes. We're gonna do a bit of a bit of a theater of the mind exercise here. Everybody close your eyes. Picture a hotel ballroom. Ceiling's about 25 feet tall. The room was about roughly the same size and shape of a football field. The entire room is filled with these PVC pipe framework walls covered in drapes of fake ivy. That is about it. That's that's all that really separated the rooms from each other. Um, it didn't do much for soundproofing, especially because in most of the room's cases, the ceiling was open to the upper atmospheres of the gigantic ballroom in and of itself. So it was fairly loud in there. And that's one of the things I wish was different. I wish they did a little bit more of a soundproofing. The first room we enter was essentially there was a TV that kind of gave us the lowdown. I don't remember what the TV said. Uh, and then they explained to us how combat works. 
which was essentially these shuffleboard courts where we'd have these, except it was like hand shuffleboard, so it's more like air hockey, where you would have a little a little disc, and on that disc was a magnet, and in each of the tokens they gave us, they're, they're, they have a little bit of metal in there, so they would stick to the, the, the little puck. And you would put the weapon that you wanted to attack the monster with. You would uh, slide the puck across the table. It would land on a drawing of the monster and different parts of the monster had a number in it. And that number plus your weapon attack bonus plus any bonuses from the weapon would determine if you hit the monster. And it would also help determine the damage caused to the monster. I thought this was a pretty unique way to do combat in, a, in an atmosphere where it is, it's not super um, clear. Oh, sorry, I keep fucking with my pop thing. I'm going to put this uh, in, a, in an atmosphere where it's not super clear, like, who can do what and stuff like that. Um, I was a druid, so I wasn't doing much in terms of, like, melee punch damage, right? I was a spell casting. Um, but what I had to do was, every time I cast a spell, I had to pass a skill check in order to do either extra damage or to heal extra points based on, based on that interaction. So, I had to memorize 14 leaf silhouettes... And each time I, I needed to know or needed to cast a spell, somebody would pull out like a stack of leaf images, cover up the, the name of the leaf and be like, what leaf is this? I was right every single time. I, they only asked me five times. I only cast five spells, but I, I got it right every time. So I did max damage or max healing every time I cast a spell. And I am incredibly proud of that. Granted, they did show me a maple leaf three out of the five times, but I'm still counting it as me doing a real good job. And that was the first room. You spent 12 minutes there, essentially, with the tutorial guy. Um, and if I can throw this in here right now, if there's one thing I could change about this entire experience, one of these rooms needed to have no challenges or puzzles whatsoever. And the parties really need, like, 12 minutes to get to know each other. At least, like, even if it's, like, our role-playing identities. The, like, think about it this way. If you're a dungeon master and you're rolling up a tabletop RPG game for the first time, and your party has 10 players right at the gate starting at level 4, and you just throw them right into a dungeon without letting them get to know each other or get a vibe from other people, and you expect success, that's not how good role-playing works at all. That's, no, you need time to establish a rapport. So, yeah, if I could change one thing, one of those rooms really needed us to, like, bond. Um, but that wasn't the case, so who gives a shit? Anyway, the first room... What the fuck was the first room? Alright. First room, there are all these symbols on the floor, and a basket full of acorns with a bunch of symbols on them. And the NPC is over there, and that's when the, the uh, True Dungeon revealed its first method for storytelling, which is pre-recorded dialogue lines, and then a human actor live there in front of you, pantomiming as if they are the ones currently saying it. I imagine this illusion only really works well when uh, everybody's wearing a mask because of the pandemic. Because it worked pretty well. They, they More or less, they did a pretty good job. Um, they probably did as good of a job as anyone is able to expect. Um, but it did kind of break down when the, when the voiceover would be like, Well, looks like you've made it to the Feywild. You mortal fools. What are you, what are you doing here? And then the, the audio would kick out, and then it'd be the person, you'd be like, Right, so you gotta grab one of those acorns there. And I'm sitting there being like, well, that's just not even close to the same voice. How dare you? Um, anyway, we solved that puzzle. Um, 
I'm not going to tell you actually the solutions to the puzzle because this is not the first time they've run this exact dungeon, nor will it be the last. So I'm not going to spoil it out of respect for the entire thing. But let's put it this way. I was the one who came up with the final solution to that puzzle, and I'm very proud of that. Anyway, we solved that one and we move on to the next room, which was our first taste of combat. There was a, a banshee, I want to say, uh, and we were able to dispatch them fairly quickly. Um, I ended up throwing my wand at them like a stick, and I got one point of improvised weapon damage because of that, so you're welcome. The next room after that was this uh, wine room where there was a drunken satyr, um, and we could have fought the satyr uh, and kind of shook him out of it, or we could match the, the symbols or the names of the wines to the barrels, and we went with the puzzle direction. Um, and that was fun. That was a good time, too. I also helped in, in solving that puzzle solution using context clues from the Seder. Um, but that was also one of the instances where one of the other glaring issues of this whole event became uh, abundantly clear. And it's already something I've hinted at. Uh, the Seder provided some hints and clues about the wine, but we couldn't hear him because of how loud it was. And then later on, he was like, well, what did I say about blah, da, da, blah? And I'm like, I don't know you that you said anything about blah, da, da, blah. It's not that I wasn't paying attention. It's that I couldn't hear you. So that's that's a problem. Um, but we solved that puzzle. And then we moved on into the next room, which was, what the fuck was the next room? It was that. And then it were, what the fuck was it in the next room? Oh, it was the mushroom puzzle. This one was probably the most obtuse out of all of them, and it's easily the one that I would, like, look back on and be like, yeah, they needed to not do that. Um, and the problem was, is, like, you have 12 minutes. In order for it to be accessible to people, and in order for them to have, like, progression, usually you only want, like, one to two puzzle elements, right? It's like, here's the setup, here's the puzzle... There's the solution. You got it. It's like a two-level puzzle. This one had like five. It had it had too many moving pieces going on with it for the puzzle to make sense quickly enough for us to solve it and get through the room. It's like, here's a mushroom. And each mushroom had the lunar cycle on it. But it also had a bunch of dots on it. And the dots were in varying sizes. And there were also dots on the platforms of that we needed to put the mushrooms on of varying sizes. And so you had to take into consideration the varied size dots on the platform and on the mushroom. Those were two separate ideas. You had to take into consideration the lunar cycle itself. And we spent way too much time trying to figure out which ones were waxing and which ones were waning. And then, like, I spoke to some crickets. And then the person translated for the crickets and told me, like, this side of the room is odd numbers and that side of the room is even numbers. And then there was another element layer on top of it. And the fact that we were able to actually get that shit right fucking boggles my mind. And the problem is, is, like, we got the right answer, but I don't know why it was the right answer. And in my head, I'm like, bad puzzle. So that one's not great. It was probably one of the prettier rooms because all the mushrooms were glowing and I appreciated that, but it wasn't a good puzzle. After that, then it was like a druid who was being really sassy or whatever, and um, her plants did damage to us, but we were able to talk our way out of that one as well. Then we fought a Dracus, which is basically just a forest dragon. Um, and this was probably where most of the budget went, as, as my, uh, my buddy put it, because there was an enormous dragon head that was hydraulically powered with glowing green eyes that would like 
enter, like, lean out of a wall, basically, and kind of click and snap at us. And there was a lot of dragon roaring sounds while we were doing combat with it. Um, that was an impressive bit of, of theater, for sure. I enjoyed that. We did beat the Dracus. And then it was the final puzzle where there was this... Uh, it was called, like, Felurian's Feast or whatever. And so there's Felurian the Fae Maiden. Um, she's at her feast. And essentially, we were all sat at the feast, and we needed to put the name tags in the right places for the the people. And there was, like, riddles where it's like, Johnson loves to sit two people down from the left of Abraham, but only on the right-hand side. You know, all that crap. Um, and so I, I always hated those puzzles because it's like, Ugh. And that's another one where it's like, each, like, there were lines, and then there were words within those lines that could be construed in one of 50 different ways. And so I'm overthinking it like a motherfucker being like, well, there's the word pear, which could mean the fruit, but it could also mean two of something. And we like, it just spiraled out of that because I'm overanalyzing every single word. And that's the only puzzle or encounter that we were unable to do. And it was the one at the very end. Um, and I just kind of shrug my shoulders and go, ah, well. Um, and I don't know if we got anything extra for actually like, completing all seven um i don't know if that's the case but it was it was a it was a fun time i I will say i don't know if i'm ever gonna seek it out again probably not at a pax setting if i ever found like their their physical location though i would be intrigued because i feel like this experience would be way more interesting if the set was a bit more impressive it's not that it wasn't it was still pretty good production for what I was expecting, I was still impressed by it. But I feel like in a in like a warehouse where they could have physical walls and maybe a bit more going on and maybe a couple less rooms, but like more to do in those rooms, I think it would be it'd be really amazing um, to have this sort of experience because I've never had a, a like a an IRL Dungeons and Dragons like role playing thing. And I don't want to say it's LARPing because we didn't physically fight anybody. It's just all the RP with none of the physical combat, um, which is probably for the best. But it was it was a good time. And I'm really glad uh, that I and my friends got to do that this year at PAX. Because, oh boy, if we didn't have this, we would not have gone back for day two. Like, easily would not have gone back for day two. And if PAX is like this next year, I'm only going for a day. But this is, I'll, I'll say a couple of things here right now. I don't, I may have already mentioned this one, but according to one of the booths that I spoke to, the people who operated PAX cut off the internet for the Washington State Convention Center for the booths. And if you wanted internet, if you were a booth, they charged you $800 for the entire weekend. I have absolutely no idea if this is fact or not, but if it is true, that's absurd. I don't know if it's true. Because all I have is one person, and I haven't spoken to PAX themselves. I don't really care enough to go after it, um, because... So there's that. And the other thing is, and this I do blame PAX for, they did not announce the, like, the list of studios that was going to be at PAX until, like, the 11th hour. I think that list went up less than two weeks before the actual convention occurred. And if this was any other year, the tickets would have sold out long before any of that information became available to the public. Now, I perfectly understand that there are like, it's the pandemic. There were studios that said they were going to be there that later did not attend. So I get it, okay? People, are, people just don't know for sure. 
But if it got that bad, they probably shouldn't have held PAX this year. However, I am pretty confident that if they did not hold PAX, Camp PAX, PAX West, PAX Prime, whatever you want to call it this year, that may have been it for PAX in this locale. Um, Like, I mean, PAX is a convention, right? I know Penny Arcade is like its own thing, but the Expo is a big source of income for them. And if it if they couldn't do it this year, they would have died just like countless other businesses that are struggling and dying right now because of the pandemic. Overall, I very much had a lot of fun. If I was just going by myself, I would not have had nearly as much fun. My friends definitely made this experience a lot more fun for me. I did buy a lot of stuff that I absolutely didn't need, but I'm giving most of it away as gifts. So that definitely eases my conscience, especially because Christmas is not as far away as a lot of people want to believe. Um, and so I need to start getting some gifts together. But overall, it was fine. If it was my first packs, I would never go back again. But I will promise you this, as long as they keep hosting them, I will keep going. I've been going to PAX for too many years, for too long to stop going to PAX now. It's basically the only convention I do anymore. And speaking of things that I still do, or that's a bad segue, but anyway, that's the end of this podcast. I hope you all enjoyed it. Like I said, I will definitely talk about Iceland more next week. I still have many days worth of stories to tell, and a lot of them are pretty exciting, not to spoil or anything like that. Please enjoy uh, that this week will be the first week of starting Midnight Sun, the fifth and final Twilight book. Give it your love and support because holy crap, it's taken a lot out of me to read this one. And I will see you all next week for some more episodes. Have a great week, everybody.